I ask you for your attention tonight because I am going to bring some things out that you might just have to give me your your attention to, to grasp hold of a few things. I'm trying, going to try and break it down as simply as I can. But tonight we want to look at the demise of the demonic domain. In other words, we want to look at the fall of Babylon and the whole Babylonian system. Turn with me, please, to the book of Revelation. Please, the Revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 12. No matter what I bring out tonight, we'll still be very concise. It won't be exhaustive by any means. But let's just read from verse 7, please. Revelation 12, verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought on his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. The great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Keep your Bible open there, but let's just pray. Father, tonight we thank you for so many you have brought out tonight. We thank you, Lord, for every home represented, for every heart and every person, every soul that's come this evening. And so we pray, Father, now that for these moments allotted to me to bring this word, pray for your anointing to be upon it. We pray for your hand to be on us, and for your spirit to move from seat to seat, from heart to heart, life to life, and speak to each and every one of us. Pray, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, for those who are sick and can't be here this evening. We pray for their healing, speedy recovery. For those who are away, those families that aren't with us because of taking a break away, we pray for your blessing to be with them and refresh them. For those who are watching live or later, we pray for your blessing on them also. But Father, for us that are here in this tent this evening, I pray that thy spirit would move upon our hearts. Anoint this man of clay lips and glorify the Son of God the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we ask it. Amen. Amen. In Revelation 12, and in verse 12, listen to what it says. Therefore rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Two things here about the devil and his fall when he was, as it were, kicked out of glory. First of all, he has great wrath, we're told. 
And secondly, he has but a short time. First of all, he's got great wrath. And secondly, he has but a short time. The devil here means diabolos, which means a slanderer, false accuser, and one who outrightly opposes God. If you will look down the chapter to the very last verse, verse 17, it says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman, that is, with ancient uh, Israel, scattered Israel, and again, it will be those who have settled Israel. Notice throughout time, the dragon is wroth with the woman, has wrath with them, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keepeth the commandments and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now you and I tonight can see how the devil has wrath against us. He has wrath against our people. He has wrath against our nation. He has wrath against the godly. He has wrath against the Christian. Wrath against those who are in Christ. And here we see that the devil is angry, wrathful, and mad. Secondly, though, he has but a short time. He has but a short time. Will you look with me to Revelation 16, please? Chapter 16. And let your eye run down to verse 13. John writes again, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of, notice the dragon, that old serpent called the devil and Satan from Revelation 12. Three unclean spirits like frogs out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Here we see these spirits of devils now working in people, working in men and in women, working in those who are in higher echelons than even you and I, moving, as it were, like a chessboard people into place, for the battle of that great day of God Almighty. They are called unclean spirits. They are called spirits of devils. And these unclean spirits and spirits of devils, they have shown through time right until this evening. They are spirits who work in the political world. That is, I'm not talking about even just at our localized version, although there are many of them who are voting on for abortion. There are many of them, in fact, there's one who has actually now looking to try and bring abortion right up to birth in Northern Ireland. Mr. Farry. And we have spirits of devils working in people. We have it in different places in our government. But the spirits of devils, these unclean spirits are moving upon men and especially in higher echelons of society and of our world. 
political. They are ecclesiastical. In other words, they are religious. All sorts of religions and religious garb. Wearing it and and walking in it and ritualizing it. We have what is called the Abrahamic so-called family of of a gathering together held uh, and mostly brought in by the Church of Rome and the papacy, bringing in Islam and even Judaism and Christianity all together to worship under one single banner. And of course, other religions are invited to come along and to worship with them. Every religion under the sun on this planet is invited and it ecumenizes. The ecumenical movement has spread not only through evangelical Protestantism, but it has spread throughout the nations of every country and where they are brought together and they are being brought on to a final end and a final destination. The devil knoweth that he hath but a short time and hence he is promoting these things. He is pressing these things and people are pressured with these things. So there's political, there's ecclesiastical, and then there is economic Babylon. Economic, thinking of the the financiers of the world. Those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan in Revelation 2 and 9, Revelation 3 and 9. Those like the Bilderbergers and the Rothschilds and the Soros and the Goldman Sachs and all of those cartels and families who fund wars. Do you know who's going to make the money out of the next war? Whether it be Russia and the West, or whether it be Russia and Ukraine, or whether it be between the Israelis and Hamas. Do you know who makes the most out of it? The banking cartels, the financiers, the international globalists. And hence the Lord is not taken by surprise. And he's bringing all of this out and he's saying, listen, This is what is going to happen through time until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Revelation 17 and verse 14, if you look at it, and if you get time, you go home, you read Revelation 16 on from where we read, and then read Revelation 17 into Revelation 18, and you will see the fall of Babylon, ecclesiastical and political, and of course economical. You'll see it written in the book of Revelation. But Revelation 17, and if you'll let your eye run down the chapter, please, to verse 14. He speaks of these, this Babylonian system, these spirits of devils, these unclean spirits. Verse 14 says, these shall make war with the Lamb. Who is the Lamb? The Lord Jesus Christ. And these shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. Praise God. It doesn't say he might overcome or he'll try to overcome. See, Jesus rules and reigns. He's king of kings and he's lord of lords. And it tells us this. Notice this. The lamb shall overcome them for he is lord of lords and king of kings. And they that are with him. Notice there are those who are with him. There are those who are against him. Those who are with Christ. Those who are anti-Christ in other words. Notice. And those who are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Now I want you to see this, brothers and sisters, before we go any further. First of all, this is Babylon against God and his people, against Christ and his bride. This is 
Babylon spiritually against his, that is Christ's people. First of all, we have Babylon shall make war with him, with Christ, through you and through me. And secondly, there are those who are with him. They are called of God. They are chosen in God Christ. And they are faithful to his service. Called, chosen, and faithful. And here's a challenge for all of us in the days in which we live. If you're called of God on the salvation, then you are chosen in Christ. And hence we ask, are you faithful in your service to him? Are you faithful in your service to him? Now Babylon, as in the city or the name Babylon, Babylon in the scriptures is mentioned some 287 times. In fact, it is mentioned more than any other city in the scriptures bar one, which is the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is mentioned 811 times in the scripture. Now, I need you to pay close attention with me, please. Here we have that spirit of devils moving now in the spirit of God, moving, bringing men and women, redemption coming to his people, salvation in the hearts of men and women. And through time we have seen that the true children of God have been persecuted the whole way through time. But stay with me if you will. In Revelation chapter 12 and in verse 11, it mentions overcomers. Overcomers. Notice, and they overcame him, the devil. Would you say overcome? Who's washed in the blood tonight? They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. So the old spirits of devils who are out there, those demonic demons who are out there working in the hearts of men and women, all of those unclean spirits of men and women who hate Christ, hate God, hate his word, if you're washed in the blood, then you overcome your sin. John tells us that we overcome the devil. John tells us that we overcome our sin in his letters. But he tells us that we overcome the world. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So those who are by faith washed in the blood of the Lamb, those who are cleansed from their sin by the blood of Christ, they should be an overcomer in this world. But take note, and they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb. But it doesn't stop there by the word of their testimony. Brother, how's your testimony tonight? I'm not asking you, does everybody like you? Because that's your testimony. Because if that was me, then I'd I'd have half a testimony. How's your testimony? Your walk with Christ? Does it speak and glorify Christ? That's how we overcome. Overcome them by the blood and by the word of our testimony. And thirdly, and they love not their lives unto the death. Do you love your own life more than death itself? Would you give up the things of Christ? Sure, half of, half of us sure 
couldn't hardly get out of bed on a Sunday morning. We don't, it's not about death, it's about tiredness. Weakness. Half of us could hardly uh, stop giving up our vices because it's about what we like. It's not about surrendering ourselves before God. These are the overcomers to rule and reign with Christ. In Revelation 12 and 11, let your eye run over, if you will, please. Revelation 17, verse 14. And these shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. Notice, Christ in his glory, Christ in his power, Christ and all that he has done in who he is, shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called chosen, called chosen and faithful. Can I ask you tonight, maybe you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your own Lord and personal Savior. If this was tonight now, where do you stand? Are you for him? Are you with Christ? Or are you against him? With this other band, which is Antichrist. Which is Antichrist. Listen to Merrill C. Penny. He was a professor of Greek. And I looked up some of his stuff and writing on Babylon, the, the city, the country, and now the spirit of it going around, the globalized system of it that we live in. Listen to Merrill C. Penny on Babylon. I quote him. It says, Babylon was the essence of all evil, the embodiment of cruelty, the foe of God's people, and the lasting type of sin, carnality, lust, and greed. Go to read it again. Babylon was the essence of all evil, the embodiment of all cruelty, the foe of God's people, and the lasting type of sin, carnality, lust, and greed. And I'll tell you why I'm going to read that, because I'm going to bring you through a little bit of history, and I need your attention if I can. You see, in Babylon, when we go to the book of Daniel, for example, and Daniel and the house of Judah are taken into Babylon. You'll read of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and the fiery furnace. And I think Rebecca mentioned that in the song, the fourth man in the fire and all, and the Lord with them there. And the the, the lion's mouths being shut when Daniel was in the den. You read all of that. And it's right about that time you'll also read of the book of Ezekiel by the river Kavar. But do you know when it get to Daniel chapter 5, we have Belshazzar feast. You had Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel 1, 2, 3, and the 4. You had the fall of Nebuchadnezzar. And then you had Daniel 5, you have Belshazzar. They say he's the son. It's meant to be as far as I know, it's the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. And he brings the, the, the vessels from the temple in Jerusalem after Jude, the house of Judah were taken away captive. And he starts to have a party and he desecrates that which was holy and separated unto God. When he's having this party and it's a, it's a wild sort of an orgy party that they had. And a handwriting comes and writes on the wall that his kingdom had been numbered and finished and weighed in the balances and found wanting. And that night they'd be taken over. Well, by the time you finish Daniel, uh, Daniel 5 or Belshazzar's feast, from there, Darius the Mede comes in, along with, linked together with Cyrus the Persian. And these two kings come together, 
and they push out Babylon. And at this point in time, what happened were the, the magicians, if you want, the soothsayers of Babylon, many of them fled Babylon, taking the mystery religions of Babylon with them. And where did they go? They went to Turkey. And when they went into Turkey, they stopped at a city called Pergamos. And when they stopped at the city called Pergamos, there they came under the protection of the king which was there. And the king was called King Attalus III. And there he protected them. But he was only a king for five years from 138 B.C. to 133 B.C. And he died. But when they brought all the mysteries in, Attalus took all of the Babylonian mysteries and all the titles that they had. They bequeathed them unto him. Attalus then, before he died, bequeathed them where? To Rome, to the Caesars in Rome. And so the Caesars in Rome took all of this upon themselves. And they started to call themselves these Babylonian titles of names. Julius Caesar, born in 100 BC, died about 44 BC. He started calling himself Pontifax Maximus, the chief priest, the bridge, it means, the road builder, the one who stands between God and men. The Caesars were God on earth, you see, to them, to the Romans. And I'm the one who stands between the Roman people and the Roman Empire and God. And this started to come down the line and uh, uh, Virgil in his poems uh, wrote about uh, this type of thing. And he wrote of Julius Caesar and his time and he writes and he he calls it Novo Ordo Seclorum. Do you know what that means? Novo Ordo Seclorum. New World Order. Way back then New world order coming from Babylon. And Israel and I are heading westward and they're settling down all over. And by this time, they're following everywhere they went. Babylon followed. And this Novo Ordo Seclorum, New World Order uh, by the poet, he writes about this with, with Julius Caesar. And then when we come a little through time and have the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, in 460 AD, in 460 AD, the the Romans were attacked by some of the, the Germanic tribes around the city of Rome. There's always been battles, but they gathered together and Rome came under pressure at about 410 AD. And they called the very uh, Roman troops from Britain, which were up, up as far as Hadrian's Wall, and they called them back to Rome to protect and defend pagan Rome. But by the time 476 came, pagan Rome had fallen. It was gone. But the title deeds from Babylon, uh, the, 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 the very names of the titles were kept. And during that time we spoke of, Constantine sees, as it were, a sign as he was, uh, as he was going into battle. And this sign conquer, he says. And he, he allegedly said he became a Christian. And it stopped and stemmed the persecution of the Christians in Rome for a while. 
And while this happened, I'm, I'm trying to skip through some years, but while this happened, the pagans in Rome complained. And the pagans in Rome started saying, well, we're pagan, we're not Christian. So Constantine, that's where you get Constantinople and all those names from. He brings in paganism, starts to mix it with the religion of Christianity, what he branded Christianity at the time. And don't forget the church of God was at Rome, the true church, the blood-washed church. Away in, in Paul's day, he writes the book of Romans. And he starts to mix it together and he brings uh, the, the sun god from Babylon in, who is Nimrod. He starts to bring moon worship in, who is Semiramis, Nimrod's wife. And when he brings in, he starts to mix it. And so it has a facade of Christianity, but behind it, it has Babylon. And hence you see paintings with the big shiny glows around their heads. That's the sunburst. That's the sun disk of Nimrod. The ladies have it. Some of them might have it and paintings and so on. That is the moon goddess, Semiramis. From Babylon. When you go into a Catholic church, you'll see a big sun looking instrument like this with the, 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 the wafer and when they do the mass, that's the sunburst. And this is the Son of God in the sunburst. The wafer. That's where it all started to come from. And so when the Lord Jesus, when they moved from Babylon, to Pergamos. Listen to what the Lord Jesus says in Revelation 2 and in verse 13. And he writes to the church at Pergamos. That is the blood-washed Christian born-again church. And he writes to them and he says, I know thy works and where thy dwellest. I know where you dwell. Knows even where Satan's seat is. Because that is where the Babylonian mysteries were brought into. Even where Satan's seat is. And Pergamos, the name of the city of King Atlas, means married to power. Married to power. And hence going to Rome, they had what was known as Pontifex Maximus, the vicar of God. And then it comes from there, they have, and you'll see it even in Anglican churches, the big mitre hat. They look like a big fish's mouth. That's from Dagon, the fish god. That's from Dagon. And the Anglicans were it as well. It's a Dagon fish mouth, the heart of it. And hence from, from here there's a deadly wound in Rome. And it happens at 476 AD. And the pagan Roman Empire dies with Romulus Augustulus was the last emperor. And these Germanic tribes had conquered pagan Rome. Uh, There's said to be ten of them, by the way. Do you know the ten toes in Daniel chapter 10? There's ten toes. They take up the area of Europe. Uh, I can't remember them all, but you had the Franks, the Gauls, the Alans, the Hurley, um, the Burgundians. There's five of them off the top of my head. Goths, Fizzy Goths, Astrogoths, 
There's eight of them. I can't just remember to tell them off the top of my head. And they all came together and attacked. And they, there was a deadly wound that happened in 476. But the beast rises again. And out of it comes the papal empire. And the Pope takes on the title Bridge Builder, Vicar of Christ, Pontifex Maximus. It gives the idea that I am, the, we are as a, as a priesthood, the ones between man and God. It's the idea of it. Bridge building for you. I am the tower to heaven for you. I am the mediation, the mediator for you. That's the idea of it. That's where it comes from. That's how I got there. But you know, in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, do you know what Paul writes? For there is one mediator. How many is there? There's one. Would you say one loud? There's only one. Not a saint, so-called. None of the prophets there praying for you. And your granny and your grandparent and all that sort of stuff coming to meet you. For there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. There's one. He is the Logos. You know what the Logos was? The one who came between God and man. The word came to the prophet. The prophet spoke the word. The Logos came down and he moved through the prophet. So brothers and sisters, you see this system all coming to pass. That's the ecclesiastical side of it. We look at the, the political side and we can look at the, uh, the very economic side of it all. But in the scripture says this woman that rises out, there's two women, the Israel woman and those who are saved and the Roman woman, the harlot that rides the beast. And it says she fornicates with all the kings of the earth. So brothers and sisters, when we look at this, we can see all of this has now moved, even past just religious. It's went into political systems. It's brought forth communist ideology, Marxism. So where Babylon is, you'll find the other name, city, is Jerusalem. Would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, please? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22. This is who we are. The new Jerusalem isn't a big city, a thousand miles high, wide and broad, going to land on planet Earth. The new Jerusalem is you. And me. Notice what it says to verse 22, Hebrews 12 and verse 22. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Notice the heavenly Jerusalem, 
unto the innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, unto God the judge of all, unto the spirits of just men made perfect, unto Jesus the mediator. Notice Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, unto the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Brothers and sisters, this is the the new Jerusalem is you who are redeemed. The blood-washed, blood-bought, spirit-filled church of God. Those of us who have come from every walk of life in our nation, come from different denominations, and we find that our denominations were hopeless. I'm not saying there's no saved people, there's no good people. I'm just saying they were hopeless. They have failed at their task. You and I were called together along with others in other places to be born again of the Spirit. Born of God and washed in His blood. That you and I are brothers and sisters. We're all lively stones fitly framed together. You and I are the new Jerusalem. And when Christ comes, he's coming to rule and reign among his people. Would you say amen, brothers and sisters? Are you glad you're saved tonight? Who's glad they're saved? I'll put two up. I'm glad I'm saved. If you're glad you're saved, would you shout praise the Lord? Lord. Well, that was good. Do it again. He's worthy. He alone is worthy. So when we hear you have Babylon and New Jerusalem, spiritual Babylon as it were, and New Jerusalem. And when we look at this, brothers and sisters, we see the demonic domain around us in our nation and in the world and in our governments and in religion. We see it all over the place, right down to levels basically as we spoke about earlier on of those who want to slay the baby in the womb. To those who want to, to take our children and turn their little minds, their innocent minds, into something putrid. Brothers and sisters, it says that Jesus will come and they will fight against the Lamb. And there are those who are with them, who are called and chosen and faithful. But there are those who fight against him. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 12 and verse 30. He that is not with me is against me. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. So who are you with tonight? And what side are you on? People say you don't need to pick sides. You do when it comes to Christ. Make your mind up time, people. If you don't know him, make your mind up time even Christian. Are you sold over to him? Sold out for him? Wholly given to him? So which one, which side would you be on? The chosen, the called, and the faithful with Christ? Or aren't they Christ, those who are against him? 
Revelation 12 again, please, if you will. Boy, time flies, doesn't it? Revelation 12. And let your eye, if you will, just run down to verse 12 again. Thank you. Therefore rejoice ye heavens. Listen, heaven's glad to get rid of the devil. What makes a sinner think they'll get in in their sin? Rejoice ye therefore, therefore ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Notice this. When it says about the devil has but a short time, he has a great wrath, but he has a short time. Many of his emissaries on earth put on a show. They have a smooth tongue. They give a subtle speech. And people are drawn in by it. Sucked in by it. All in the name of peace. All in the name of equality. All in the name of political correctness. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 4. Paul writes, A new marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. In other words, he's not the wee red devil you see with the horns and the wee trident, the wee long spiky tail. He appears to be something attractive. When when Eve seen the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and knew she wasn't to eat of it. For the Lord had said to Adam, who passed the word to her, this is the word of the Lord. The old serpent comes, and what does he say? Hath God said? And the serpent is attractive to her. His words are attractive. He looks the part to her. People think it's going to be this big, beastly monster. You know, recently I've seen a couple, some young people and they had all these satanic t-shirts on walking through Belfast and there was earrings coming out of noses and, and I don't know, they're all over their face. And, and, I, and I sort of thought, they love them. And they thought they were being tough because we're dark, you know. We're really dark and we're satanic and you Christians must be, you know, so soft type of thing. They were really dark and I felt for them. And I said to Alison, see if those young people just had one short, quick glimpse of the reality of where hell is and what the devil is really like. They would run as fast as they can. They would cry and scream and plead with Christ for mercy. Because they have it, it's all... You know, well, sure, this be mom with the red fork. Sure, it's all funny. It's all comical, cartoonish, animated. He presents himself, first of all, as a, a subtle serpent, as we said, to Eve. Listen to this word. It says in Genesis 3 and 1, Now the serpent was more subtle. The word subtle is the word arum, arum. It means crafty and prudent and sly. The serpent was more subtle than all the beasts of the field. 
But listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 10 and verse 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. In other words, you're going out there and these spirits are there. And I'm sending you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Brothers and sisters, tomorrow in work, you're a sheep of God in the midst of some wolves sometimes. And Jesus says to them, to say to you tonight, be ye therefore as wise as serpents. Not to be a serpent. Not to act like the devil. Be wise because the serpent was more subtle than all the beasts of the field. Be therefore wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. The dove represents the Holy Ghost. Secondly, he's like a devouring, roaring lion. In 1 Peter 5 and 8, Peter says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The word sober here means be clear and calm and collected in your mind and heart and spirit. You know what he would say today? Be awake, brother. Be awake, sister. Don't be woke. Be awake. Be awake in a woke world. Be as wise as those serpents of the woke agenda. But be harmless as a dove. Mean no harm to any person. But he says to be sober and vigilant. It means give your strict attention to. For the devil wants to devour you. See the word devour? You know I looked up the word there. I know what it means? To swallow, to gulp down something to drink. In other words, it's like, you know, a, a crocodile would get something in the river and it rips a big part of it off. It throws the head back and gulps it down whole. He says, the devil and those spirits out there want to gulp you up. Swallow you whole. See, they're warring against the lamb. And those who keep his commandments and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's you and I. Proverbs 18 and 28. Pardon me, 19 and 28. The Septuagint takes this word for devour, katapino, and they use it in the Old Testament. And it's, it's used in this verse, an ungodly witness scorneth judgment, and the mouth of the wicked devoureth iniquity. In other words, you can see in society today, if, I hope you see it, it gets, it's getting worse. It seems to be coming in at, at an awful rate, at a great speed, and there's no depths to which they won't sink to. You see, they've thrown out the Ten Commandments, which is the guideline for our moral standards of living and worship. But when they throw that out, they have no moral cone left. One man's morality is greater than the other, and, and, one, and his morality is lesser than someone else's. And hence they're trying to do things like all of this gender neutrality, and it's not he or her, it's them, and all of this stuff. The floodgate has been opened. (laughs) 
Here's what this verse means. An ungodly witness scorneth judgment and the mouth of the wicked devoureth iniquity. Devoureth, they gulp it down. It's the same word. Here's what it means. Society suffers and harm is done to its legal system when the truth is scorned. This is what this means. Our justice system. Where's the justice in our system? Where's the truth in our system. What about those who have protected our country and the veterans come out and they're laying in the streets and illegal aliens come in and are put up in hotels? Where's the justice in it? Where's the justice when the rapist gets off with raping a woman? Where's the justice whenever a pedophile gets a slap on the wrist for destroying a child's life? Where's the justice when babies are able to be destroyed, murdered, and aborted? Where's the justice in the system? Where's the justice when murderers in our nation are telling us how to live our lives? Amen? Where's the justice? And I mean from both sides. Where's the justice in it? This is what it means. They devour their iniquity. And they look you in the eye. And they look you in the eye. And they tell you how to live. And they say you're wrong. And you're evil. Because you want to stand by the word of God. I don't care what they call me. We'll stand by this. We'll stand by this brothers and sisters. In our land, in our nation, in this assembly. I must close. Will you give me another 10 minutes? Who's in a hurry home? Oh, good. Right. It means society suffers and harm is done to its legal system when truth is scorned. The wicked love it, devour it, and hence your society tumbles down. So he presents as a subtle serpent. He's likened to a devouring, roaring lion. And he's called a thief. That's what Jesus thinks of him. The Lord Jesus called him a thief. John chapter 10 and verse 10. The thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said that. This old wicked one, all these spirits, he's not omnipresent, he's not omnipotent, you know, he's not everywhere at once and he he can't be almighty or else God isn't almighty. So he's not. But what Jesus is saying here is the wickedness of men, the hearts of men, the flesh of men, the minds of men. He uses it and he plies it to destroy you who want to go on with God. And many people just say, okay, I'd rather sit and have an easy life. I'd rather sit and have an easy life. See here the thief. Do you know one of the words for it? The the Greek text of it is the word kleptes. Kleptes. And one of the words is used for it is the embezzler. (laughs) In case you don't know what an embezzler is, I think we know what embezzlement is, but let me just bring it out a little just to let you get a deeper idea of what this word means, this embezzler. 
someone by subtlety or secrecy takes money or who appropriates property fraudulently for their own use. In other words, he's trying to take that which is not his by subtlety like the serpent. He's trying to take from you, from your life, from your home, from your family, from your loved ones, from your heart, from your mind, from all that you have. He's trying to destroy you. He's trying to rob you. He's trying to thieve from you. And in many cases, he's doing a good job with some of them. Brothers and sisters, do you not know that the devil has no authority over you, child of God? Do you not know that the devil has no authority over you, child of God? He's no authority over you, child of God. He was defeated at Calvary. The Lord crushed the serpent's head and he rose victorious on the third day. Oh, but the Christian, you see, he listens. See, you listen to enough lies. You know what it's like? It's like a man who vibrates a woman, his wife, and makes her feel small and so insignificant and like she's horrible and terrible, can do nothing right until she feels worthless. And by the way, brother, that's off the devil too. And he does that with the Christian until they give up. Until they give it over. You know what the Bible says? The devil's a liar. Don't listen to his lies, brother. Don't you listen to his lies, sister. Here we find the embezzler, the thief, the burglar, the housebreaker, the robber. I looked up one word that says, you call him a safe cracker. <laughs> I don't know if, what sort of safes they had back in the Lord's day, but apparently it's used as a safe cracker. You know, he, he's able to get into those tricky places that you feel that they're fortified and are not fortified enough. Make sure you fortify your life in the Word of God. Make sure you're in the place with Christ and you fortify your family. Make sure you fortify all that you are and all that you have and your little ones and your loved ones. Keep them covered in the blood. Keep them covered in the Word of God. I better hurry. Unfortunately, we see he's transformed into an angel of light in 2 Corinthians 11 and 4. You see, he persuades men to do things under the name of religion. He persuades men to do things under the name of the greater good. And he persuades men and women to do things under the name of, as I said, equality and political correctness, under the name of freedom of expression. Looks good, angel of light. Now, Revelation 12 and 12, he has great wrath, and he hath but a short time. Now, brothers and sisters, if you have been awake, and if you don't know what I mean by that, then you haven't been awake. Awake the walls out there, all that's going on. If you have been awake, you'll have noticed this manifest in your face, flaunting and provocation of the demonic and satanic over every media platform there is across the world the hatred against the word of God against the kingdom of God against the son of God and against the children of God the devil's great wrath is increasing I want you to listen now the devil's great wrath is increasing and why does it seem to be like pouring out in a greater fashion why is it getting more and more I'll tell you why because he knows he has but a short time 
He's trying to do as much damage as he can. But he hasn't taken the Lord by surprise. But he's taken many Christians by surprise. Paul writes in Ephesians 6 and 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. He knows his cohorts, his unclean demonic spirits know they have but a short time. And this is the, the demonic demise. Turn with me to Revelation 12. We'll finish on this chapter here. Pardon me, Revelation 20. We'll finish on this chapter. Verse 1, please. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, and that old serpent which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and was cast into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed a little season. I saw the thrones and they that sat upon them and the judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of men that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped, notice the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark on their foreheads nor in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now listen, I told you before, the image on the forehead or his mark is not a big 666 tattooed into your head. It says we will receive the Father's name on our forehead. Does that mean we're going to write Father? Or is it going to be Jesus? Is it going to be God? Is it going to be Jehovah or Yahweh? Uh, is it going to be the Tetragrammaton? What? No, it means to take on the teaching, the word and the doctrine. What they're telling us, what they've said to us, the things that are happening in the nation, around the world. The controlling factors. Listen, see, talk about, where to put this? See, especially the United States. Do you know they've printed that many dollars now that there could be a big, a big monetary crisis again? A crash coming? It's going to come anyway. Because then the Lush are in digital currency. America just kept printing money and printing money. Do you remember the, the, the Deutsche Mark after the war? The Germans were going for a loaf of bread. You know, you say I'm going down a loaf of bread and you have a couple of, I don't know what loaf of bread is, if you have a couple of pounds in your pocket, is that enough? Is it all, yeah. Which one, Norman? Tesco's. You go to Tesco's, you get a loaf of bread for a couple of pounds, or yours, and I wonder will they give me royalties and that now for advertising for them. But you just go down if I don't know whatever one it was in your pocket, a couple of pounds. You go down for a loaf of bread. The Germans with the Deutschmark after the war, they used to have to load a, a wheelbarrow full of Deutschmarks and walk down to the shop to get a loaf of bread. For a loaf of bread. That's what's going to happen. And they're going to make it impossible for us. Unless we go into this monetary system of digital currency. All it is moving numbers about. But you remain poor. And you'll be happy. Says Klaus Schwab. You'll be happy. That's for another time, that part. But notice here, this is taking on the doctrine 
not only not only doctrine of of, of salvation wrong or the, the knowledge of Christ wrong, but the doctrine of how they lead the people, treat the people, enslave you. And the mark on the hand is they're having fellowship with them. Notice what it says here. Just let me read on and we'll finish here. Verse 5. But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, and such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations that are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them to the battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints. Notice the camp of the saints about on the beloved city and the fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Notice where the beast and the false prophet, know who the false prophet is? Old Muhammad. Jesus said, when they say unto you, behold, he is out in the desert, go not out after him. Or lo, he is in the closet, Go not out after him. Muhammad and his visions in the Arabian desert. Jesus says, don't go out after him. And the cardinals get together in spiritual Babylon. The cardinals get together and they choose the the Pope. And no one knows till the white smoke comes up there in their cloistered covenant. Jesus says, don't go out after them. Neither to their closet, nor to the wilderness. In verse 9 of Revelation 12, the dragon was cast out. Notice out of heaven. He was cast out to the earth, we're told. In Revelation 12 and 10, it says he was cast down. And in Revelation 20 and verse 10, it says he's cast into. Cast out, cast down, and he's cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. So here is the close. Here's the close, brothers and sisters. Verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the heaven fled away and was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell or the grave that is delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and the grave, it says hell, but it means the region of the dead, the grave, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. It's great to get rid of that old serpent and the devil, isn't it? The old beast system that we hear about. And that old false prophet. Isn't that wonderful? But listen. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Whosoever. It doesn't say that if you're a Roman Catholic, you're cast into the lake of fire. Or if you're an Anglican, you're cast into the lake of fire. Or if you're a Jew, that you're cast into the lake of fire. Or because you're a Muslim, you're cast into the lake of fire. No. 
It says if you're not saved and your name's not in the book, you're cast into a lake of fire. Are you saved tonight? Are you born again? God bless his word to us tonight. I know it's been long, forgive me. But you can feel it, can't you? I hope you see it. I hope you're awake to it. That's just an overview, a summary of history there as well. And I try and get as much on as I can to give you an idea.